So Terry, yes. thanks for climbing into the buzz bubble. It was a pleasure to have you, and we're going to just jump in. Fantastic. Um, wave branding, is that a term you guys have coined? And tell me a little bit about what it does and how you use it to grow a brand. Yeah, sure. So yeah, we created the concept of wave branding, and the whole idea is, you know, we put culture at the center of everything we do. So we're watching what's happening in culture from the smallest little fringe signals to things that have gone mass. Right? right, and way branding is the concept of catching those things when they're very first forming, uh, and connecting brands to them, and then riding the wave. And we believe that for brands to be successful today, you have to create relevance. And to create relevance, you have to be synchronized with what's happening in culture. So the whole idea is, if you can capture it early, and then you can ride it until it really uh, it becomes mass, then you have an opportunity to be in the middle of the conversation, as opposed to trying to buy your way into the conversation. Right, right. The, the, the most challenging thing for me to get my brain around is the tying into the conversation. So sure. tell me about how that happens and, and how it stays sincere to a brand's voice. Yeah, so, so one of the things that we do with every brand when we start is we um, understand the brand's DNA. And a DNA is, if you think about uh, the values of a brand, which has been done in advertising forever, right? right? We do something similar where we understand what is what, what makes that brand tick. But we do it not only from what the brand says, but also from uh, what the consumer says. And then we look at where those overlaps are. So if this is, this is on one side is what uh, consumers think about the brand, on the other side is what the brand says it stands for. We look right. at where there's overlap and we try to understand how we can create communications that are authentic with those consumers. And when we see something burst in culture, we do the same thing with what we see in culture. So say you see something about 3D printing on the moon, you know, a random thing. Okay. We would go in and we would break it down to its DNA and look at what the DNA overlap is between that cultural asset or that burst and, what, and, and the actual brand. So I guess it's a big part of the process, the matching. You can't you know, just say, oh, 3D branding on the moon, that's a great topic. Yeah, exactly. Well, we don't have any brands that really align. Yeah. So we have that all I the guess time. It's there's things finding that are, what is the right conversation to be yeah. part of. Yeah, there's there's like things that that are super popular in culture that your audience, so say I'm targeting millennials, that they are sharing, they're engaging, they're talking about, but it just doesn't have a DNA match. So we look at things on two dimensions. We look at it how big it is. We call it the energy score. So uh, you know, how much buzz does it have in the here and now? And then we look at how closely aligned it is to the brand DNA. And based on those two dimensions, that's how we determine if it's a good fit for a brand. Okay. There are some times that this is a game of, because we're moving fast, right? right. And so there, there are some times where you go a little bit more with the energy and a little less with the DNA. And there are times where you, you want to make sure it's a really close DNA. And it really depends on what kind of burst it is. You know, if it's something that's a, that's really way outside of what the brand usually connects to, it's really right. hard to be authentic with that. Sure. But if they've connected with things like that in the past, it makes it much easier. Let's talk about your approach to, to actually building the content. So you found the match. Sure. How do you build that content? And again, you, you keep using the word authentic, which is great. Because that's my biggest yeah. curiosity is how mm -hmm. you do that. So, you know, there, there, there's a lot of process that, that that's required to be able to make real-time content work. And, and it's kind of funny because you think it's real-time. I mean, it just seems like it happens and it's very reactive, right? right? It's not really. I mean, the way we go about it and what we kind of see as the 
one of the huge differentiators in our newsroom model is that we have a very robust methodology for understanding culture. So we identify culture, we map it, and we may go in and look at a particular audience, I'll use millennials again, and, and hone in on what, what makes millennials tick. What, what, what have they shared the most? What are they engaged with? What channels they use? What language do they use? And from that, it allows us to pre-build content and we, we base it on this 70-30 rule. Like 70% of the content is, is um, built out. So imagine it's an infographic or it's a video and that's held um, in what we call reserve. And then we see a burst happen. So something happens in culture and we say, this is an opportunity to use this, this content that we've created okay. and we tweak it and we make a small tweak as opposed to building it in real time. Right. We're, we're making a small tweak to it and that small tweak makes it relevant to whatever's bursting. And that allows you to still be of the moment but not be reactionary, you know, because you're, you're actually still tapping into the cultural zeitgeist, but you're using a methodology to get through the bureaucracy of, of the layers within a brand, legal, all those type of things. Is it always as the brand voice? What is the medium for you? Um, it varies. I mean, I think there, there are times where we do things that, that are uh, directly as brand. There, there are times when we, um, test things that are um, trying different ways of seeing if it connects because the thing about uh, real-time marketing and using a newsroom is that you have the opportunity to optimize so you can go out with different little pieces you know sometimes we use paid media sometimes we use the brand's own channels sometimes we use other channels that are not owned by the brand therefore you don't have to be as direct right and okay. so, so all of those are part of the toolkit Engagement is finding the voices that are already trusted and you engage and farm for these other people to kind of get on board mm -hmm. and say, you know, we've noticed that you've got a connection with our yeah. target. How can we work together? Is that part of? Absolutely. So when you think about like influencers and how you tap into to influencers, um, we, we use them in a wide, wide range of ways. So we think about influencers on the front end because people, well, I just go back to 3D printing. Okay. If, if we were going looking at 3D printing and we identified all the people that were having conversations around 3D printing, that these are the, the individuals who are creating the greatest influence in a particular topic. They also become individuals that we'd want to watch to help us get our hands around the language, the predictors, so forth and so on. Once we actually have built content and we're distributing it, we want to collaborate with those individuals to be part of that distribution process. So um, they, they, it could be seeding content with them, it could be watching what they're doing and, and, and getting them engaged in a conversation, all, all of those things. And that allows for them to pick up what we're doing and they share it in their own voice, which is very authentic to the conversation. Right. Which is what brands have to do to be in the middle of it. You know, if you really want to operate a newsroom, build content in real time, you have to find a way to authentically connect with the people who are having those conversations. Otherwise, it's one way, right? Right, right, which is not the model. Yeah. Let's talk about recognizing the patterns and uh, accelerating the movement of sentiment mm -hmm. and, and, and what percent human and what percent software technology mm. and, you know, I'm, not, I'm sure it's a mix. Yeah. Um, what do you think that percentage is and yeah. what are the elements? It's a great question. It's probably 50-50. And so what, what I would say is we've built a, a platform, we also call it the Wave Branding Platform, which consists of a bunch of different tools, a series of algorithms that allow us to basically take all this noise, get it down to signals, which basically become opportunities for brands. And you need tools in order to do that. Then we have cultural strategists, 
data scientist to make sense, synthesize it, and turn it into actual opportunities that make sense for for particular brands. So it's it's, it's a combination. We also, you know, we believe in this model of, of an open agency. So if you think about traditional advertising agencies, I have my four walls and I be, build my creative experience within the four walls. Just like how the collaborative economy is changing economics, we believe that also has to change the way the advertising world works. Sure. So when we have ideas, we validate those through tastemakers in the market. We have an influencer advisory board of, of people who are experts or, or following the trends of movies, design, fashion, fragrance, so forth and so on. We use them as validators. We have uh, tastemakers and scouts in nine different countries. So it's, it's really a collective experience of trend validation and then of content creation that happens in the collective as opposed to one centralized location. So if you imagine you've got technology who that's helping you um, identify the signals, you've got cultural strategists who are synthesizing and translating to opportunity, and you've got a whole series of people outside the walls of the agency that's allow allowing you to create what those activations become. If you had to break it down, you've got the outside group, then inside the four walls of this agency, what mm -hmm. are the either departments or titles there? I heard you mention a couple, yeah. what, are, what are all the... So three main groups. One is cultural strategy. And, and those are individuals who really are, are following the zeitgeist of culture, understanding the latest trends. Um, they come from trend backgrounds, they come from research and planning backgrounds. Then you've got our newsroom group, and this is, you know, we have people from CNN and so forth and so on. And we have uh, people who are actually understand how to take content and turn it into context and angles and then produce activations, right? So that's all of the, the um, actual content side of the business. Then we have a group which which is client services slash pilots, because when you get into real-time marketing, it, it you have to make fast decisions with sure. your clients, right? And so that means that I'm gonna get on the phone, I'm gonna say we've seen, you know, the What the Fox Say video, and here's the match it has to your to your brand, and here are a series of things we could do with it. And we call that person a pilot, and the pilot kind of works, I don't know, we make the analogy of, if you think about Wall Street, and you, you have a broker, and, and they're saying, hey, you should invest here, you should invest here, similar kind of thing, they're making these really quick decisions, using the quantification from the strategy team, using the activation ideas from the newsroom team and then uh, putting those back in front of a client to help them decide whether they w it's a go or no-go decision. Some things have a two-week trajectory, some things have a 24-hour trajectory, right, so right. you have to you have to decide uh, you know fairly rapidly. And you must have to orient the client to expect these kind of things. Yeah. Look, I might call you and say, here's an opportunity. Yeah, you're nay, go, you know, yeah. go now. It's in your analogy for the stock market, the opportunity's here. It's 20, here. 20 minutes, you, not, it might not You can be miss here. it, and it, it's some of these split-second decisions, right? Yeah. And, you know, if you think about, like, uh, what, what the Fox say, I just used that video, has been out for a while, and everybody's familiar with it. We saw it when it had, like, 12,000 views. And we just... 12,000. Yeah. I mean, in what it has. Like, Infancy. It yeah. has 180 million. I don't right, even know how right, much yeah. at this point. The, you know, when we saw it, we saw it, it, it we, we could tell that it had the attributes of, of other viral videos that we had seen. Right. And we thought, you know, this is an interesting parody video, so forth and so on. And we immediately uh, started tracking it. And within two hours, we saw that it was moving at a faster clip than other viral videos that had, that had skyrocketed in the last 90 to 180 days. We, we then sent it to every single client that we had, right? And so, so and, and we started those conversations. The 
The thing that we didn't know, which I thought was really interesting, is two or three days in, we realized that this had gone from something that was uh, you know, millennial-based and it started getting picked up on mainstream media, but then it started really resonating with little kids. And kids <laughs> love the video. I mean, they, they would play it over and over and over again. So, you know, our pattern <laughs> analysis, yeah, exactly, it's like, it's like nonstop. It's like again and again they <laughs> sing it and it's it's it's, it's unbelievable. It, and we 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 understood from the patterns that it was going to be big, but sometimes you don't understand how it resonates in popular culture and right. until you, you. But if you watch it, you start to see those transitions across demographic groups and social graphs. So you talked a little bit about this. One of your quotes I found somewhere: "We operate a data-driven advertising newsroom that helps synchronize brands with culture." So you need to be completely intimate with their DNA, mm -hmm. um, as you mentioned before. What, what is that process like? How do you, you know, get down to that DNA of the brands you bring on to your team? So basically it happens by, number one, a traditional agency who, who said this is, the, this is the essence of the brand. So we adopt that essence, and then we go out and we listen in the marketplace um, and understand what do consumers really think about the brand, and then we marry those two things together. And you know, if you want to, to synchronize a brand with culture in real time, because if, if you think about traditionally, I took the values of the brand, I said, this is what I stand for, and now I'm gonna use a bunch of paid media in right. order to ensure that my audience believes that. We're right. trying to do something different. We're trying to say, if this is what we stand for, we have to understand where, what the headspace is of our current consumers, and then we have to find out an authentic way to make that connection. So it's very important to have both sides of the, the, the coin. Right. And then once you have that, you have to produce content that lives in that space that creates authenticity and creates relevance because if you only are putting content out that the brand wants to put out, it's, it's going to fall flat. Right, right. Uh, you know, I, I love people will attest if they know me that inside of an agency and inside of a brand is underestimated as mm -hmm. the value. And you mentioned some of the folks solidly in place, it's, it's been established and some haven't. You, yeah. you find that process of helping them find their culture. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like if you think about like brands, and these are my values. This is my higher purpose. This is what what I stand for, and this is why consumers should uh, engage with us. It's like uh, peeling back those layers right, is, right. is great. I think I think it can be very eye opening even for for a brand. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. it's like here. Don't think about it. Yeah. <laughs> they don't think it through. Here's where we are, and here's where uh, what consumers want, and how do we begin to fill those gaps? And yeah, we ask people why do you show up every day, and to to raise our billings and make money yeah. is not the, you know, Tony Shea, you said, um, of Zappos said, you know, I, I could have been anything in the box. I show up every day to give great service. Just yeah. happens to be shoes. <laughs> well, they're going beyond that now, but uh, yeah. you know, they really got to help clients find that purpose. I think that a higher purpose is key, and I think brands demand it even more. And I think like, you know, the, oh, the model of I purchase media and I look at my total reach and frequency and the number of times people see, and I, and I say it again and again and again, we don't live there, right? So right, now right. the higher purpose is even more important because I'm trying to connect in real time and I'm trying to make myself uh, not just something that you buy but something that, that fits into your life and that you believe in and has purpose. You know, you think about brands who are taking on bigger social causes and leaning in. You're seeing an evolution of, of you know, brand used to be just about selling something. Now right. brands are using what they do, whether, you know, Starbucks trying to get jobs or, you know, General Mills taking on interracial relationships, so forth right, and so right. on. Uh, brands are saying, hey, we not only have a higher purpose, but we have things that we believe in as brands, and we're not going to back off. And, right. and, you know, when we go out after those kind of things, we're going to lean into them. 
And I think that makes a difference for, for consumers. And that, yeah, that's where the consumers mm -hmm. really connect. They, they really connect because they're like, oh, this 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 brand has purpose. You know, it, it, it's, no it's meaningful, and I, and I feel good about about spending my money with this brand. I read something where you said uh, it's time for most of the Fortune 1000 to move from paid media and a campaign-centric world to content and culture-centric world. Totally agree. How do you get a behemoth like a GE or a Ford or, you know, how do you get these big guys to, to recognize and make that move? I mean, it's a huge challenge. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, I think most CMOs are already have realized that what they have done in the past is not necessarily working and that the landscape is changing rapidly and it's probably changing more rapid than than they even can imagine because of what technology is right. doing or want to recognize but I think I think everybody's clamoring for how do I move faster how do I create greater relevance between my, my brand and what's happening in the, in the world and um, we've been playing with this concept of you know if we've built a newsroom we've built uh, a an agency that helps brands get synchronized with culture, it's about relevance. And yeah. I think an agency of relevance is required by every Fortune 1000, because what are, what are they doing? They have, they have their PR firms, they have their social firms, they have their traditional agencies, but who's creating that infusion of what's relevant and, and translating that from a consumer standpoint? So I think when you think about these big you know, Fortune 1000, you have to articulate that in, in the language that, that, that they understand and it fits into a system, but yet it's gonna take them on a completely different journey because if you start thinking about becoming more relevant, you then have to have a different methodology. You then use paid media, not maybe just to, to um, build your brand and get people to think what you want to say about your brand, but you use it as an amplifier. You know, right. you get in, in that conversation and then you amplify the conversation. So it's a, it's, a, it's a flip, you know? I think we went from totally paid media, then we went into content that was completely calendar-based, and now we're saying, both of those are not, neither of those are authentic, right? right because right. one, it takes too long to be connected to culture. The second is, it, it's we're doing it on Thursday just because, you know. But that, <laughs> right. I, I have a conversation with you because we're connecting, right? It's right. like there's some kind of connection happening. And when brands also participate in that way, they, they seem real, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I'm sure you've been forced to do this and, and it's uncomfortable. I think it's easier for these bigger brands to engage you probably and say, well, what are you? Are you a media agency? Are you a creative yeah. agency? Are you? So what's your answer? I mean, I, you know, if I had to say you guys are journalism and media and, you know, um, and, a, and, and a matchmaker. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, detection and matchmaking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's the question that everyone asks because, you know, I have a... Because they have to, it's easier for, Yeah. Yeah, they're going to go sell it to somebody I else. I have to compartmentalize to it. I have to tell procurement on how to, right. this is what I'm buying and, and is it replacing something? Right. You know, we, we've definitely have, have you know, we have... Um, clients where we're social media AOR, we yeah. have clients where we're helping them with innovation opportunities, white space opportunities, but I think at the end of the day we're we're talking about the space around agency of relevance. You know, it's like it's like what companies need and what you're actually pur purchasing is, is a company that is watching and keeping their finger on the pulse of culture and translating that into everything you do, every aspect. It, it cuts across uh, how you plan events for PR. It cuts across the media and how you purchase media. It cuts across your television campaigns, your CRM campaigns, across the board. Right, right. And I think that that is uh, where the space is going. You know, it's like, it, what, 10 years ago, no one was, was hiring a social media agency, right? right. 
or so now everyone has a digital and but social I have media. An agency. Yeah, yeah no, I have an agency, five. and they're doing that. And it's like, but are are they really? Yeah, you know, right. I'm like we're relevant. And I was like, well, but you that was something that happened eight months ago, and now you're putting it into market. I mean, relevance means you're you're of the moment. You right. know, right? You're you're there with your consumers. The other challenge is we've all specialized over time. Is that collaboration? That you know, have you done that? Is that a challenge, you know, okay, the agency of record has this and we're going to work together on X and Y and yeah. it's always been a challenge. It's always somewhat a challenge. I mean, anytime that, that what you do overlaps with another agency, there's always going to be uh, challenges there. I think the, the best thing is to understand what the handoffs are between those agencies and, right. and create something that makes everyone get value. And so if you think about culture and relevance, I can translate that to something that would be valuable for BBDO, something that would work with PhD, you know, from a media standpoint or from a PR standpoint. Right. In the actual content creation and, and distribution, that's probably where there's more overlap, right? Because, you know, there's, there's already an agency who is distributing you know, uh, from a social standpoint, or there's already right. an agency purchasing media and so forth and so on. But I think there can be a really beautiful way of, of bringing um, culture into every aspect of what a marketer does. So things here move fast. You have to, as you mentioned before. So are you guys on 24-7? How do you handle that? You know, for instance, Super Bowl Sunday, the lights go out. Somebody was on top of it. I mean, how do you yeah. handle the communications in, inside the agency when something pops? Yeah, it's really, it's off really. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what we. It, it, it's part of the DNA, right? So, the data feeds and alert systems are twenty four seven. So right. we're ingesting whether it's uh, the Twitter firehose, YouTube API, scraping blogs, watching media. We we have all of that coming in twenty four seven, and we have an alert system uh, set up to alert us to anything that you know, just like you see some ab something that that pops, you know, the team then has a process so it, it's very similar to the way with the way the newsroom would work so right. like if you're at BBC and uh, breaking news happens it doesn't mean that every single person is there Acting, at that moment yeah but every single person has to know what their role is and so we do something that we call swarms and we, we come together in really short quick burst uh, everyone has a role and then everyone understands so say that the lights did go out right and the um, when something happens, the team comes together. Everyone knows what their role is. Everyone then understands what the quantification is around the cultural burst. Then people go off and do what they need to do and come back together again. And that's kind of how you would deal with breaking news. You know, if a tornado touches down in uh, you know in Kansas, you basically have your your newsroom staff that comes together. They they all have specific roles. Uh, one person is thinking about the angles. One person is thinking about getting more. Uh, uh, source details, so forth and so on. So very similar, and and you have to be able to move rapidly. But the only thing that allows you to do that and not be reactive is, is having some kind of process for doing it. Right, right. That's why I mean, like the inspiration from the newsroom and what the, that industry has. The advertising industry will never be like the newsroom industry in totality. But there's lots of things that they have perfected that make this idea of working in real time and moving at the speed of culture like like you have to adopt those things. Right. You know, we've been uh, so focused on social media. You know, yep. do you have, and you guys are very good with uh, innovating new terms and new vocabulary. Two things, social media, what would you really like to call it? And what do you think is a good future title for somebody on the client side? We always love the CMOs, chief marketing officer. They handle everything. But somebody on, you know, your counterpart on the client side who would be there to react in real time. 
That's good. I mean, you know, when I think about social media, uh, there, there's a guy, his name is uh, Jeremiah Oyang, and he follows, he, he was a trend analyst for Forrester, and he followed social media from the beginning until now, right? And one of the things that he said recently uh, is that y we lived in a world where social media was born, then we talked about, uh, you know, customer experience and customer engagement, and now we've moved into the collaborative economy. And right. the collaborative economy is task and sharing economy. I think there's something to that, because I think within the collaborative economy, Social media is one component that allows those kind of micro communities to form quickly and uh, wrap commerce and services around them. I think that is the evolution and I think if we start thinking in the terms of what that collaborative economy looks like, it changes social media from being about pushing tweets on Twitter and, and Facebook posts to something super meaningful. Right. Because it, 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 it's an economic driver at that point. So I mean, when, when I think about it, I think about it more in, in those terms. As far as titles, I mean, internally, you know, we have titles like cultural strategist. We have a pilot who's that, that individual is making those quick time, quick uh, turn decisions. There's probably someone who's head of branded content that, that is in, in content strategy for at, at a very senior level, which, right. is, which is a good counterpart. Someone who is in charge of innovation. You know, there's, uh, there's also the chief uh, cultural officer, so that, that's been thrown around a lot. Uh, even a book written on it uh, is, is another title that, that would probably really understand, you know, what we're doing and, and how to create that, that relevance. Well, uh, if I think about the future, and I, I think out a little bit from where where CEOs and CMOs will go. I think we're going to move into this world where we have companies that are completely fragmented, right? You have right. makers and creators and all of these individuals who are coming together and you're co-creating products, brands, you're sharing in the revenue, and I think you have to have a different kind of CMO even, right. and probably call it something different. It's, it's, it's almost like, we, we toss around this term of, um, someone who knows how to manage a distributed ecosystem because well, you know companies still think that everything they build is within their four walls that's that's going away very rapidly because you, with the makers movement and creators and all of those things it's a completely different uh, set of skills that are required to manage that kind of infrastructure socio-cultural newsrooms serving brands instead of readers you know how cool is that and you guys a lot of evolution left constantly evolving you know where yeah. where's it heading I'm glad you think it's cool. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I think it's, That's good. Know, we'll talk uh, afterwards. We got to yeah. do some work together. <laughs> um, well, you know, we've been doing it for two years. So we started the the company in January 2012. We built the al algorithms and platforms, and we started taking clients on back half of last year. And now we've I don't know this year we've worked with 16 brands. So it's, it's grown very rapidly. The uh, I think it's constantly changing. I think that um, the space is changing. I think that what we've done in bringing together this trend identification that's that trends that are quantified with the newsroom model with this kind of quick turn Wall Street portfolio methodology is uh, pretty um, pretty advanced and, and I think if you look at a lot of other agencies they've tried to do newsrooms but it's been like a bolt-on it's been like right. another little right. appendage onto an agency and and they struggle because it, it's not core here it, it's basically woven into the DNA we wake up every day and we say we eat culture for breakfast I mean that's what we do you know we live to pivot very quickly 
Um, but there are a lot of things that we haven't figured out, you know? <laughs> right, right. And, and we, and, and as things shift, I mean, it, and it's as simple as, as also saying, technology just keeps getting better. Yeah. And so it makes what, some of the things that were hard for us 12 months ago are easier today just because the technology's gotten more advanced. Right, right. Know? Let's wrap up with a little fun. Okay. We're gonna uh, play, a game good. That, play a game that we like to call Subjective, hardly interesting trivia. Okay. All right. Which advertising lingo word is more annoying and overused? Big data or synergy? I'll go with synergy, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> They're both overused. I mean, big data is like, it's nonstop. And it's all, you know, it's like, it, though it is super important, I just, every single thing that has to do with anything is big data. Right. Right. <laughs> anything that has a number on it or it comes in volume. Yeah. We, we wrote a uh, future of relationships um, piece that went out yesterday. It was covered by Fast Company, and, and like in it, we talked about just the big data of sex, like how you quantify your, your sex life. And even when I'm saying that, I'm like, seriously? And I'm like, <laughs> like, wow, like, I already like, feel like I've, I've even taken, taken like big data into the bedroom. You know? like, <laughs> oh, man, I'm probably not going to score the well. The bigger the data, the better. The bigger ah, the data, the yes. better. You know? Size does matter when it comes to data. Miley Cyrus, embarrassing teen star or brilliant marketer? Brilliant marketer, I love it. Ah, yeah, I thought that was right up your alley. <laughs> Here's the funny thing, twerking, just as an example, we have been talking about forever, right? Really? It's like, I, I think since we started the company, we've been, you know, uh, and, and clearly she made it a moment, right? But what was so beautiful is that it was, it was twerking at the VMAs, it was, you know, the, the wrecking ball, and then the memes that came from it, and she's just done one thing after another. You can, you can love her, you can hate her, you can think her music's great, you can think it's horrible, but it's from a, a marketing standpoint, it's a powerhouse, you ah. know, it's like incredible. Today's show, they wake up, they're talking about it the next day, and then yeah. somebody said, do you think it's this or that, and they said, doesn't matter we're doesn't talking matter. about it's like from a PR <laughs> standpoint and, and you know and, and those are the kind of things if you think about like something that you might want to jump on to yeah. it's definitely relevant for certain brands I mean you know we, most of the brands that we have it probably wouldn't have been a good play but there were a couple that we have that we did go back and talk about is there something you do with the wrecking ball or there ways to you know there's just little thematic things that she brought to life you know and she she and she was yeah. she continues smart yeah Amazon introduces drone home delivery. What will be the first crime perpetrated against an Amazon drone? Oh, against the drone, gosh. <laughs> I, I think someone will steal the drone and turn it into a, a drug delivery service. <laughs> So I think you'll I think you'll have your pot delivered directly to your <laughs> to your to your front porch. You know, it's like it's like so Amazon it comes in, I take the drone, I, I hack it, and then and then I have it deliver weed. It was yeah, exactly. Which campaign is the smarter dump campaign? Kmart ship my pants <laughs> or KFC I ate the bones. I'll go with ship my pants, mostly because I like to say it. <laughs> and, and did you see this is just I'm adding okay, them, yeah, like, yeah. like that, that then they had then they had a second one that did yes. decent, and then like this week they had the one that was the two people shopping and it was, I think it was for layaway or something but it was a, a gif of them like uh -huh. did you see that one no no yeah so it's gotten a lot of backlash because um, number one they said it's just it's just 
too much trying to co-op culture, but and then and then they're like uh, GIF versus GIF, and so you've seen all kinds of uh, people like debating like whether it just it just is more out of sync than in sync with culture. Wow. So, so but they, they they have something that's at least creating buzz because anytime they're doing something now, it automatically pops up in our it's bridge. It's disruptive, and yeah. they're they're getting recognized. So you you know. It's kind of like the Anchorman stuff. Like, like they they've they pushed that movie, pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, and then like in the last few weeks, it's starting to get a little backlash. But the question is, do you get people that wouldn't have seen the movie because you've been in so many places, you know? And and if they, I, I think the answer is all in how well it does at the box office. So I think we'll yeah. wait and see. But it's getting it's a good backlash. Point, though. I think you're right. People. I think there was a point of diminishing returns where you've just pushed it too far. Yeah. We just started seeing that though recently. In the beginning it was really cool. Then it was like, this is a brilliant marketing. Then it was like, that's kind of bizarre. Then it's kind of like, really? You know? Like <laughs> Come on, man. Well, Terry, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Well, how about a, a quick tour? Yeah, let's do it.